Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. You're listening to The American Journal with your host, Harrison Smith. attacks inside Russia that have been going on for a week and a half. We, we can see a Russian tank, we can see a Russian APC, uh, we can see a Russian missile get launched, and that information gets fed to the Ukrainians, and they could actually act on it almost immediately, which is something I think the Russians never contemplated. Well, if Putin didn't contemplate that, his intelligence services didn't contemplate that, they're idiots. Because I knew it, and I told you that. Oh, the spin is, when the Russians fire a missile, we give them a lifetime. Like when Ukraine fired those missiles into Poland to blame it on Putin and try to get a nuclear war going a month ago? This is a very dramatic uh, potential escalation, obviously, because Poland is a NATO country. Uh, there were ongoing cruise missile attacks being carried out in the west of Ukraine, close to Poland's border at the time that these uh, projectiles landed uh, on Polish territory. Uh, it is conceivable that they are Russian missiles. I'm not pro-Russia. I'm pro-non-nuclear war. Shall we play a game? How about global thermonuclear war? And Russia's got its problems and has committed its crimes. But compared to the New World Order, they are amateurs, ladies and gentlemen. But they've got a giant nuclear weapons arsenal. They're being pushed into a corner, and now Putin's threatening nuclear war. Russia might as well be fighting Martians right now. The technology's 30, 40 years in advance. Can Russia deploy tens of thousands of one-man team launched? One guy can put two switchblades on his back. And those switchblades can go out and take out multiple Russian vehicles. Over-the-top dangerous. The Pentagon is greenlit. You've been seeing for two weeks or 12 days, almost two weeks. Daily cruise missile attacks into Russia, blowing up military bases. So Putin goes, okay, I may do a first strike with nukes. I said I wouldn't, but now I may. I mean, this is just huge. And now we have strikes at at least three bases inside of Russia. Exactly. And for him, that is very worrying because now he knows that Ukraine could hit. I mean, we're talking about very close to Moscow, mm-hmm. uh, right? This is the center of the Kremlin and, and the center of Russian economy and power. Here we are, ladies and gentlemen, in the year 2022. And everything else, quite frankly, pales in significance. Now, now, why is war already started? And why is more war coming? Because they're at the end of a currency bubble. They need a big global emergency to be able to basically make us forget that this is a giant Ponzi scheme that makes Bernie Madoff and FTX and the tulip mania uh, that, you know, happened hundreds of years ago pale in significance. Do you hate America? No. You know, in fact, I'm knowing many inmates. I figure out we're sharing way more common. Maybe America is very much similar. Look, it's the same size. They have a... It's the same kind of this. And when you talk to them, there is nothing there even to beef about. We are naturally 
you know, born not to be enemies. And whenever there's conflict, it's elites. You know, every, you know, American I met in a prison who is from rural area was very easy to deal with. He has no problem with Russia and he was curious about Russia, despite all propaganda. They're losing their Christian values. They're losing their families. They're losing literally their countries. You'll be laying in your bed one night. We're going to be driving down the highway after work and there'll be big flashes you see and then 10 seconds later your car is going to be overturned probably on fire and then life as you know it's over you won't get back to your family there'll be mass starvation and death and there'll be a new literal dark age with enough dust in the atmosphere to cause a mini ice age and they estimate 7 billion people will die in a nuclear war there'll be maybe 500 million left which is what these death cult people fetish all day long You're tuned in to The American Journal with your host, Harrison Smith. Watch it live right now at band.video. I think it's time to blow this thing, get everybody in the stuff together. Okay, three, two, one, let's jam. Welcome to the American Journal, folks. I am your guest host today, Chase Geyser, in for the great Harrison Smith. Really excited to talk to you today. We have so much to talk about. Great guest coming up in the third hour. I want to start by talking about the recent news from Citizens Free Press about Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine being linked to blood clotting. Picking up this article here, the uh, Pfizer's uh, COVID-19 vaccine has been linked to blood clotting in older individuals, according to the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. FDA researchers crunched data, and they found three outcomes of interest, a lack of oxygen to the heart, a blood platelet disorder called immune thrombocytopenia, and another type of clotting called intravascular coagulation. Now, What I found particularly interesting about this recent report is how much it ties into the recent documentary, which you may or may not have seen, called Died Suddenly. A fascinating documentary in which they interviewed a number of different morticians and professionals uh, in the field and basically came to the realization that there were irregular blood clots found in the bodies of the deceased that are disproportionate to what was found before these vaccines were administered on a wide scale. So it appears that these vaccines have indeed began uh, to cause weird clotting and side effects in particularly older individuals who, who have gotten these vaccines. We always knew that there was something sketchy about these vaccines. There was always a lot of skepticism about why the government was pushing the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines so hard over the J&J vaccines. And there was always a lack of trust in this space. But to see the FDA come out and just slowly start to inch us toward being comfortable with some of these side effects, which now, of course, they're saying are very rare, uh, uh, uncommon. We're going to see more and more of this, folks, come out. And the reason that I was skeptical of these vaccines to begin with is because I have type A severe hemophilia, which is a bleeding disorder you may or may not have heard of. It's very rare. I believe there's only about 10,000, 10 to 20,000 people in the United States who actually suffer from hemophilia. And basically, it's a bleeding disorder in which my blood doesn't produce the protein that causes normal person's blood to clot, whether it's external cuts or internal bleeding. 
Many people with hemophilia suffer from joint bleeding and arthritis as a result of that uh, and uh, require knee replacements, things of like that at a very young age. My older brother had, has had both of his knees replaced. He's 17 years older than I am, uh, he, and he had both of his knees replaced while he was in his 30s, I believe. And the interesting thing about the story of hemophilia is that there was groundbreaking progress made in terms of treating hemophilia in the 80s. You may remember vaguely the Ryan White story. They made a movie based off of it called The Ryan White Story. Elton John actually performed at Ryan White's funeral. What happened was the original treatment for hemophilia was if you were having internal bleeding, whether it was in a joint or excessive bruising or you were actually injured and bleeding too much, they would take you to the emergency room and they would give you a blood transfusion of normal blood and that blood would clot and cure the, the bleed, the injury. And what happened was during the 70s and 80s, the pharmaceutical companies developed a synthetic form of treatment that could be injected proactively in order to prevent these bleeds from occurring. So they made a synthetic version of the protein using human blood donors. And three times a week, I did a growing up Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You could inject this, uh, this drug intravenously at home. And whenever there was an issue, like you twist your ankle playing basketball with your friends at recess or anything like that, this drug would then automatically sort of proactively work to prevent the bleed from becoming more severe to the point of limping or having to ice it and wrap it. And what they found was this drug was contaminated with hepatitis and HIV from the blood donors. Now, I'm fortunate enough that I was born in 1990, so I was born after they were, after they were able to identify this problem and correct it. But the crazy thing about it is if you look at the history of the contaminated blood product that they were using, they knew for years, even while Fauci was involved in health administration, they knew for years that the drug was causing children even to be infected with hepatitis and HIV, and they kept it a secret. They tried to cover it up in any way that they could, and parents were unwittingly injecting their hemophiliac sons because it only affects males with HIV and hepatitis, resulting in the death of thousands of hemophiliacs in the United States alone and tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands worldwide. And even more pervasive than that is once they were caught and told that they could no longer ship the product in the United States because of its contamination with HIV and hepatitis, they simply took their remaining stock and continued to ship it to foreign markets overseas so they wouldn't lose money on the product they already developed, knowing that it would infect patients with hepatitis and HIV, which of course becomes AIDS, which of course becomes death. So anytime a pharmaceutical company comes out with a new experiment, experimental medication, there's always good reason to be highly skeptical as to how safe that drug really is, especially in light of the fact that these vaccines have so many protections against litigation, against liability for any adverse effects that may occur. So just from my personal experience as a hemophiliac and a member of the hemophilia community, I was very skeptical at this new technology coming out in these vaccines. I didn't want to take anything that was mRNA-associated because, frankly, I just don't trust the pharmaceutical companies. And now we're seeing that we're having these blood clotting issues among an older generation of those who take the drug. Obviously, there have been countless examples of myocarditis, soccer players just collapsing in the field, the sudden death of teenagers, including, I believe, a daughter of one of our congressmen. And so 
what are we to do moving forward? How are we going to hold these drug companies accountable? And why is it that so much of our population still remains intentionally ignorant of the fact or unwilling to admit the fact that these drug companies are not our friend? Since when did the left in the United States become the greatest defender of big pharma? How is it that we've gotten to this point where where we've allowed these drug companies to take so much power, to make so much money without any accountability for the adverse effects of their drugs? You know, one of the things that's fascinating to me is when looking at the different vaccine options, of course, there was the J&J option in the beginning, and that particular option was dismissed by many of the experts as a less effective option. Of course, the J&J vaccine is the only vaccine, I believe, that didn't use the mRNA technology. It was a traditional vaccine that had a small portion of the virus in it in order to develop immunity. But that one was the one that came out and everyone was like, oh, it's causing blood clots. Nine women have blood clots, so we better take this one off the market and force everyone to take either Pfizer or Moderna. And I haven't looked at the numbers myself specifically, but it seems to me that there were some bad actors in place that were catalyzing that decision-making. It seems to me likely that our politicians, our leaders, big pharma, the political industrial complex were invested in Pfizer and Moderna disproportionately. They were not invested in J&J for whatever reason. And they shot down the competition without any regard for the safety of the medication and proceeded to push this drug on an entire population despite the fact that its efficacy is incredibly questionable and its safety more and more so every day. So if you haven't had the opportunity yet, I highly recommend going to rumble.com at some point after this show and checking out the documentary Died Suddenly, which I believe is on Stu Peter's Rumble channel. And you can see for yourself some of the impacts and effects that these drugs seem to be having on our entire population. First, I'd like to introduce you to our new InfoWars MD product line, which sets a new standard for supplements across the board. Many of these products can be used not only to relieve the aches and pains of everyday life, but to optimize your body's true potential. The best part is that we're offering these great products with an introductory sale of 25% off across the board because we know if you try them, you will love them, in turn creating a 360 win. Make sure that you go to InfoWarsStore.com. Check out products like Ageless Vitality Collagen, Mushroom Max Nootropic, Turmeric 95, Better Mood Plus, Nitric Boost, Libido RX, Superfood Greens, CBD Full Spectrum 10 milligram gummies, CBD Full Spectrum 25 milligram gummies, and CBD Full Spectrum 1000 milligram. Check out InfoWarsStore.com and stay with us. We'll be back after the break. I have an extremely important message to all of my fellow Info Warriors here in the United States and around the world. We are so excited to announce InfoWars MD. It turns out the top company in the U.S. for supplements is owned by a patriot. And it turns out they're willing to give us deals that no one else is getting because they want to support InfoWars and keep us on the air. This deal has been a year in the making and finally the products are being brought to market. Up to 50% off what you get on top national brands that are the highest rated under the InfoWars label, InfoWars MD exclusively at InfoWarsStore.com. Check out the first of 10 new products at InfoWarsStore.com. Whether it's turmeric or whether it's joint care or whether it is super greens, 
We have them all at InfoWarsStore.com under the banner of InfoWars MD. This is the best deal out there, and it keeps InfoWars on the air. InfoWars MD. Because you want it, here's another one just for you. Because without you, it would truly be a blue Christmas. But thank God that we have you. All of us, awakening and vibrant souls all over the earth. It's your love, our love, that makes all of this possible. And if you feel like showing us some love today and help keep us on the air, you can do so at InfoWarsStore.com. Products that will make your life better and allow us to keep broadcasting free worldwide. Together, through thick and thin, on behalf of the whole crew, we love you and we thank you for your support. You're listening to the American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Journal folks, Santa Claus came early this year with the gift of Elon Musk as CEO of Twitter and a slew of Twitter file releases. Part 6 came out at 3 p.m. on the 16th, a couple of days ago. And the interesting thing about this approach to the Twitter files is, of course, they started out with the more vanilla releases really highlighting the bias at Twitter and some of the decisions that the employees made in terms of censorship that were obviously unfair and not actually in alignment with Twitter's policies on account suspension and censorship, but executed anyway out of a bias or hate for right-leaning accounts, namely the account of at real Donald Trump. And the funny thing about starting that way is that so much attention from the opposition was focused on talking about how vanilla these posts really were. They're, so what? Twitter's a private company. So what if they decide to censor accounts? They can do that if they want. It wasn't like Joe Biden was president at the time that his campaign was pressuring Twitter. It wasn't like Joe Biden was president at the time when XYZ account was suspended, or it wasn't like the government itself was pressuring this organization to do censorship. Because if that were the case, that would be serious. But with the Twitter files release one or Twitter files part two, that wasn't really the case. And so all these criticism come, come, criticisms come in from the left-leaning media saying that, oh, this isn't a violation of your First Amendment right if it's a private organization. And of course, that was a bait because now we're at the Twitter files part six from a few days ago. And it's becoming more and more obvious that the FBI was directly involved in encouraging the censorship of American citizens. We take a look at this. Taibi posted thread, the Twitter files part six, Twitter, the FBI subsidiary. The Twitter files are revealing more every day about how the government collects, analyzes and flags your social media content. 
Twitter's contact with the FBI was constant and pervasive, as if it were a subsidiary. Between January of 2020 and November of 2022, there were over 150 emails between the FBI and former Twitter trust and safety chief Yoel Roth. Some are mundane, but others are more serious. A surprisingly high number of requests by the FBI for Twitter to take action on election misinformation, even tweets that were just obviously jokes. The FBI's social media-focused task force known as FTIF, created in the wake of the 2016 election, the scandal surrounding Cambridge Analytica, Analytica, swelled to 80 agents and corresponded with Twitter to identify alleged foreign influence and election tampering of all kinds. They go on to talk about how the government analyzes this data, but even more pervasive than this is the communication between the FBI and leadership at Twitter. For example, this message from the FBI San Francisco office. Hello, Twitter contacts. The master canine quality of the FBI's relationship to Twitter comes through in this November 2022 email in which FBI San Francisco is notifying you it wants action on four accounts. So here we have an example of the FBI reaching out to a private business and encouraging censorship action on four accounts of private citizens listed here specifically in this email. Now, I'm not an attorney, but I am an American citizen who has read the Constitution and does appreciate particularly the Bill of Rights. It seems to me that it's a direct violation of our First Amendment right to freedom of speech for any federal agency or elected official or federal department or government entity to encourage the censorship of any individual American citizen. It goes on. Twitter personnel in that case went on to look for reasons to suspend all four accounts, including at from MA, whose tweets are almost all jokes. And the funny thing about this is if you see the response, thanks, Patrick, I've escalated. Email to FBI folks here. I've reviewed this already from the TD perspective and suspended three of the accounts for multi-account abuse and ban evasion violations. So you have an instance in which the FBI is requesting action to be taken on specific accounts of American citizens in order to censor them or silence them or suspend them. And Twitter looks into it obediently and takes action on these accounts. How is this not government censorship of freedom of speech? How... (laughs) How is it not the case that people are up in arms? You know, I tweeted a couple of weeks ago, the problem with America today is that a tea tax would not lead to a tea party. And, you know, we talk about revolution a lot in this, in this political climate. There's, there's, there's rumors of revolution. What if we're going to have a national divorce? What if we're going to have a political divorce? I've talked about it on this show and my podcast a number of times. And there's a part of me that's hopeful that it'll happen when things get bad enough, but then I see how bad things are now compared to how bad they were when the last revolution occurred in this country, and it seems like everyone is very, very complacent. Why is this not the number one story on CNN, New York Times, any of the legacy media mainstream outlets? Why are people not enraged by the fact that we have proof here in the documents we have receipts that the federal government is encouraging the censorship of private citizens – on our social media platforms and it's no big deal i'm this is this is absolutely embarrassing i mean they locked us down 
they ruined our currency, they forced us to wear masks, and they forced us to put masks on our children. They're performing transition surgery and hormone blockers on minors in some states, particularly in the nation of Canada, without parental consent. They forced us to get vaccinated. They called us domestic terrorists. They intervened in our elections. They laundered our money through Ukraine and funded literal Nazis. And now they're pressuring private businesses to enact censorship. But everything's fine, folks. Everything's okay. I, I, at what point in time would it be appropriate for a revolution? And I'm not calling for violence. A revolution doesn't have to be violent. There are different ways to have revolutions. There are cultural revolutions. There are other ways to enact political change. Civil rights movement is a great example of a nonviolent movement that totally changed the political climate in this country. But my question for you, and I'll be taking calls in the next hour, is at what point is it time to say enough? You know, I think our founding fathers were intentionally ambiguous when they wrote about the right of the people to take the power back from the government because i think they thought all right we don't want to lay out specifics here the people ought to know when is the right time but i would like to hear from you in the next hour when is it actually the right time because it seems to me that none of our rights are being recognized we're taxed to hell we're giving billions upon billions of dollars to ukraine money's being laundered through things like ftx and just other entities in ukraine other ngos None of our rights are protected. We're being silenced constantly. We've got people that are political prisoners right now for, for years now since January 6th. At what point in time do we say enough is enough? What do we need to do to take this country back? And how do we inspire courage in the masses to reclaim America from those who seek to subvert it? Stay tuned, folks. We will be back in the next segment after this break. It's hard to believe sometimes that we are still live on air, broadcasting free worldwide. And it seems quite real that things can change in an instant. Things are getting very weird, and it's definitely more difficult than ever to even know what's going on. But we'll keep doing our best so long as you keep us on the air. And you can do that now at InfoWarsStore.com. Help us clear out our stock of bodies, turmeric, vitamin C with zinc, and alpha power. Turn those shady Federal Reserve notes into the highest quality supplements available while they still last. Now, with free shipping, we thank you for your support. And we wish you a very peaceful, happy, and Merry Christmas. Infowars.com is tomorrow's news today. The American Journal with your host, Chase Geyser. Watch live right now at band.video. Welcome back to the American Journal, folks. We've got more from Matt Taibbi just from 15 hours ago. 
With this thread, Twitter files supplemental. So we added some additional notes to some of the previous official releases. He writes, in July of 2020, San Francisco FBI agent Elvis Chan tells Twitter executive Yoel Roth to expect written questions from the Foreign Influence Task Force, the interagency group that deals with cyber threats. Now, this may seem fairly normal or fine or whatever on the surface, but I'd like for the small business owners in the audience to consider how you would feel if the FBI were to reach out to you formally, to your business, one of your employees, perhaps in HR or to you as the owner, and ask for you to expect questions from a certain department of the FBI or a certain professional within the FBI, and to request that those questions be answered with written responses. Would you feel a little threatened by that? Am I a suspect in a crime? Am I under investigation? Should I expect an increase in regulation? These sorts of actions are the reason that the federal government is not supposed to be able to threaten or interfere with the actions of private businesses, particularly when it comes to freedom of speech or any of our rights as delineated in the Bill of Rights. Here's the email. Hi, Yol. I believe FITF would like a response ahead of our meeting this week of August 10th. Could be a written response or we can set up a phone call, whatever is easiest for you. I think you can tell from the nature of the questions that there was quite a bit of discussion within the USIC to get clarification from your company. Let me know how you would like to proceed. Thanks, Elvis. I'll tell you what, Elvis ain't nothing but a hound dog. The questionnaire authors seem displeased with the questionnaire authors seem displeased with Twitter for implying in July 20th and the July 20th DHS ODNI slash FBI slash industry briefing that, quote, you indicated you had not observed much recent activity from official propaganda actors on your platform, end quote. Here's some of the questions that they ask. In what ways and by what measures do you see official propaganda actors as less active than other groups on your platform? What groups are you comparing to official propaganda actors? And they go through, and these are just... Very interrogatory, for lack of a better term, I don't even know if that's a word. It is now. In a very interrogatory tone, send these questions. And how is it that you can claim that Twitter wasn't coerced or manipulated or influenced by the federal government when they're receiving requests for responses to questions like this? Matt Tybee writes, one would think that it would be good news. The agencies seem to feel otherwise. Chan underscored this. There was quite a bit of discussion with the USIC to get clarifications from your company, he wrote, referring to the United States intelligence community. The task force demanded to know how Twitter came to its unpopular conclusion, the conclusion that propaganda actors were not interfering to as much of an extent as perhaps otherwise thought. Oddly included a bibliography of public sources, including Wall Street Journal article, attesting to the prevalence of foreign threats, as if to show Twitter they got it wrong, which I find quite funny because... What's to say that the Wall Street Journal isn't itself a subsidiary of the FBI? I mean, we know that the FBI has inched its way into operating Twitter, or at least had while Twitter was a publicly traded company. And I'm sure that Twitter, given the fact that it was among the least popular of the major big tech social networking platforms, is not the only company that the FBI was involved with. It's almost certain that similar discourse has been happening with the likes of 
Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, even uh, uh, Google, YouTube for sure. Right. And we know that for decades past, the FBI has been influencing major media outlets, outlets, including major TV networks like CNN or the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal, for that matter. Right. The FBI, as part of its counterintelligence measures, has been involved in the disbursement of information in this country since after World War II, since during World War II, for that matter. And so when they're citing a source like the Wall Street Journal in order to argue that Twitter got it wrong in terms of its analysis of propaganda on its platform from foreign bad actors, what they're really saying <laughs> is this news outlet that we are you know, influencing, infilt- which we have infiltrated, disagrees with you. We disagree with you. It's not even a third source. They're not even citing another source. It's really just a branch of the FBI known as the Wall Street Journal, in my opinion. Roth, receiving the questions, circulated them with other company executives and complained that he was frankly perplexed by the requests here, which seem more like something we get from a congressional committee than the bureau. In other words, they seem more like an investigation than a list of friendly questions. He says, hi, team. The questions we received are attached. I'm frankly perplexed by the requests here, which seem more like something we get from a congressional committee than the bureau. There's a big discussion to be had about state-controlled media, which will be impacted by the label launch later this month. But I'm not particularly comfortable with the bureau and, by extension, the intelligence community demanding written answers here. What's your perspective on how best to navigate? So we even have the case here where we have internal employees at Twitter expressing that they're uncomfortable with these questions and not, this isn't just some miscellaneous employee either. This is Yoel Roth. I mean, this, this person was fundamentally involved in the censorship of president Donald Trump on the platform. He's not exactly a right leaning person or a conspiratorial minded person. This is someone who's basically cool with playing ball with the left wing narrative, at least personally. And he's expressing discomfort here with the questions that the FBI is asking. He then said another note internally saying the premise of the questions was flawed because we've been clear that official state propaganda is definitely a thing on Twitter. Of course, if you go to the RT Twitter account, for example, it will say Russian state affiliated media. I don't know why if you go to NPR on Twitter, it doesn't say United States affiliated state affiliated media. But Ross suggested they get on the phone with Elvis ASAP and try to straighten this out to disabuse the agencies of any notion that state propaganda is not a thing on Twitter. The FBI responded to Friday's report by saying it regularly engages with private sector entities to provide information specific to identified foreign malign influence actors, subversive, undeclared, covert, or criminal activities. And that may be true, as Taibbi writes, but we haven't seen that in the documents to date. Instead, we've mostly seen requests for moderation involving low-follower accounts belonging to ordinary Americans and Billy Baldwin. So we have a situation here in which it's well documented that the FBI is pressuring businesses to increase behavior, answer questions relating to content on their platforms, and explicitly encouraging the specific censorship of individual Americans on these platforms, which to me is a clear violation of our First Amendment right as Americans to the freedom of speech and expression. Where are the lawsuits? Who gets sued here in this situation? How can we allow these communities to get away with this? And if the FBI is doing things like encouraging censorship regarding election misinformation, 
and encouraging the censorship of a president of the United States, doesn't that undermine the integrity of the power of the executive branch or the White House? Doesn't that weaken the representation that Americans have in our own government? How can we say that we have a government of the people, by the people, representing the people when we have unelected officials and bureaucrats in the intelligence community with seemingly unilateral power to influence and coerce businesses to violate our rights as citizens. It's not like we elected Elvis Chan here to follow up with Twitter to undermine misinformation on the platform. This is some person that we never had heard of, that we never should have heard of, who's influencing the outcome of elections. Make sure to call in 877-789-2539. Again, that's 877-789-2539. I'll be taking calls in the next hour. I want to hear what your thoughts are on the FBI and where we need to go to solve this problem in America. Stay tuned. Go to InfoWarsStore.com and join us after the break. I've taken a lot of supplements over the years since high school, and they had great effects. And the science has gotten better and better and better over the years. And now with all the things we're bombarded with and the water and the food and the feminizing factors, it is more important than ever to use the compounds God gave us to boost our natural male potential. But these products work great for women as well. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Pain MD. It's a number one national bestseller under another name. We got it discounted for 40% off at InfoWarsStore.com under the label InfoWars Platinum. We've also got HGH Max Boost. Read all about it. Be very safe with it. I take only a fraction of what they say at first and take it before you go to bed at night. Don't do it uh, during the day. 1776 testosterone boost. Totally incredible. Go read about them. Learn more about them at InfoWarsStore.com in the InfoWars Platinum section. And you get 40% off on these already best-selling products under the new name InfoWars Platinum. The eugenicists over 100 years ago were very public about their plans. They financed major universities. They ran full-page stories and advertisements pushing their propaganda in the New York Times, other major newspapers, that the family as we know it is a bad thing and must be ended. And the first step in that is getting women out of the household and teaching women that cooking dinner and taking care of your sons and daughters and husbands is a bad thing. And I was just sitting here tonight making dinner for my daughter, my four and a half year old daughter. My wife makes dinner a lot of times, but I like to make it as well. I love to make breakfast. And literally, it's the funnest thing on earth to make food for your family and be nurturative and then all sit down together and have the communal event. And that's what the system is attacking and bombarding is our normal biological actions are coming together. They really are sick, evil, scientific cult of filth that want to domesticate us and turn us into lab rats. We cannot let this continue. Listening to the American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back to the American Journal, folks. Last time that I was on air with you, amazing audience members we talked about trump versus desantis in 2024 and i mentioned that it would be very hard for me to vote for anyone other than trump anytime that i saw his name on the ballot 
And I specifically mentioned that one of the reasons, the main reasons that I love Trump so much is because everyone I hate, and for that matter, everyone who hates America, hates him so much. And I think that's a very good indicator that he's actually on our side. But I got to share with you my disappointment in Trump recently on Truth Social. And I recently tweeted about this on my Twitter account at Real Chase Geyser, knowing that I would catch a lot of flack for it because this is the first time I believe that I've posted any sort of serious criticism about President Trump. I voted for him in the primary in 2016 and the general in 2016 and again in 2020. And I'm undecided about what I'm going to do in 2024 because I don't know who the candidates will be and what they will say and whether I can trust them. But when I saw this truth social post, it really shocked me, frankly. Trump wrote, and this was a couple of weeks ago at this point. So with the revelation of massive and widespread fraud and deception in working closely with big tech companies, the DNC and the Democratic Party, do you throw the presidential election results of 2020 out and declare the rightful winner? Or do you have a new election? A massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules, regulations, and articles, even those found in the Constitution. Our great founders did not want and would not condone false and fraudulent elections. Now, Trump received a lot of negative press over this particular post that he made on True Social, and particularly for this sentence here. Market here just so it's easier for you to see. A massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules, regulations, and articles, even those found in the Constitution. So the way that reads to me is that we have President Trump arguing for at least the temporary suspension of the Constitution in order to correct the error that was the fraudulent election of Joe Biden in 2020. Now, I'm all for getting to the bottom of voter fraud or holding those accountable for cheating in elections. I have very serious doubts as to the integrity of the outcome of the election in 2020. And I think that there are many pieces of evidence and points that should have been explored through our legal system that were not explored through our legal system regarding 2020. But it seems to me that there's a reason that the founders – didn't put any details as to how to deal with a fraudulent election after an, inaug- after an inauguration in the Constitution. It seems to me that the thinking was, all right, if we figure out that an election was stolen after the president has been inaugurated, then the people can simply impeach the standing president and correct it at that point. What I don't think the founders anticipated was that the political climate would be such that there would not be any consensus around an impeachment, right? And so we've got this situation in which Trump is calling for the temporary suspension of the Constitution. Now, he walked this back after he got so much negative press. He walked it back on his own true social and basically implied that what he meant was by having a fraudulent election, the Constitution is thrown out. But honestly, I I just don't buy it. 
based on my interpretation of this text, I think that he was advocating for the temporary suspension. And the reason I think that is because if you look at the last sentence of this post where he says, our great founders did not want and would not condone false and fraudulent elections, this sentence only makes sense in conjunction with the prior sentence if it is used as a justification for a temporary suspension of the Constitution, right? So he's saying, look, our founders were great. They wrote the Constitution. It's perfect, but they wouldn't have wanted fraudulent elections, and that justifies a temporary suspension of the rules because I need to be reinstated as the president of the United States. Now, I agree that the election was probably stolen from Donald Trump. I find it very hard to believe that Joe Biden had the highest number of votes of any president in the history of the United States. I find it very hard to believe that the Democrats didn't cheat in this election, given that we know they cheated in the primary election of 2016 when they stole the election from Bernie in favor of Hillary. So they've got a history of cheating. We know it's to be true. And I think there was cheating. At least there wasn't any sort of serious investigation into whether or not the election was legitimate. Basically, everything was dismissed that the Trump team brought to the courts, to the judges. Nothing was really seriously looked at aside from documentaries like, uh, uh, what was it, 2,000 Mules? And so this is what makes me uncomfortable. We have a president of the United States who swore to protect and defend the Constitution, who is apparently here advocating for the temporary suspension of the rules in the Constitution in order to be reinstated. And I am someone who has defended Trump, every decision that he's made, even the ones I disagree with. Look, I understand why he made this decision, even if I don't, even if I don't agree with it. But to see him explicitly advocate for the suspension of the Constitution of the United States, having taken the oath to defend and protect it, was incredibly alarming to me and grounds for me to welcome any sort of opposition in a primary election. Now, I'm not saying that I'm not going to vote for him in 2024. I absolutely will vote for him in the general election if he's running against a leftist. But I am shopping for alternatives as a result of this because, to me, it looks like 2020 broke Trump. This reads like he snapped and he's lost it. And he's so upset and bitter and disgruntled about the results of the 2020 election, legitimate or not, that he's willing to throw out principle in order to regain power here in the United States. And he did walk it back. There are different interpretations of this message here. But I am not comfortable with anyone, no matter how much I agree with them on policy, no matter how much I would fight for them, no matter how much I adore them and the movement in which they resonate with, I'm not comfortable with any leader explicitly willing to suspend the Constitution. If we are willing to suspend the Constitution in this country from the right, then what makes us different from the leftists? The criticism of the left, the primary criticism of the left is they are so self-righteous that they believe their own judgment on a case-by-case basis on any given issue is more just, fair, and correct than the principles laid out in our Constitution. Right. The Constitution says the right to bear arms shall not be infringed. And we constantly have situations in which which the left is like, yeah, we know it says that in the Constitution, but our judgment is better than that of the founding fathers. We are wiser, smarter, more educated than the founding fathers. And we believe that America would be a safer place if people couldn't have high capacity magazines. 
And we from the right criticize them time and time again for disregarding the Constitution, for disregarding the oaths they have all taken where they have sworn to, to, to protect and defend the Constitution and, and therefore the rights of the American citizens. We criticize them time and time again for this. And then when our guy does it, we defend him? When our guy says, yes, I know that the Constitution doesn't have a framework or a system in place for dealing with correcting an illegitimate election after an inauguration, but we should suspend it because our founding fathers wouldn't have wanted it like this. We should suspend the Constitution and correct a fraudulent election. Tell me this, how would we not be more vulnerable with the temporary suspension of the Constitution? What's to say that it would ever be reinstated if it were to be suspended? I want to hear your thoughts, guys. Call one 789 2539 I'll be taking calls all the next hour. one 789 2539 Before we go to the break and before we go to the next hour and start taking calls, I want to introduce you to our new InfoWars MD product line which sets a new standard for supplements across the board. Many of these products can be used not only to relieve the aches and pains of everyday life, but to optimize your body's true potential. Now, the best part is that we're offering these great products with an introductory sale of 25% off across the board because we know if you try them, you will love them, in turn, creating a 360 win. So make sure you guys go to InfoWarsStore.com. Check out our new InfoWars MD product line. Pick up something like uh, Ageless Vitality, Collagen, uh, Superfood Greens, uh, Mushroom Max, Better Mood Plus, Libido RX, and stay with us through the break. We'll be taking calls all next hour. Infowarsstore.com, folks. Merry Christmas. It's hard to believe sometimes that we are still live on air, broadcasting free worldwide. And it seems quite real that things can change in an instant. Things are getting very weird, and it's definitely more difficult than ever to even know what's going on. But we'll keep doing our best so long as you keep us on the air. And you can do that now at InfoWarsStore.com. Help us clear out our stock of bodies, turmeric, vitamin C with zinc, and alpha power. Turn those shady Federal Reserve notes into the highest quality supplements available while they still last. Now, with free shipping, we thank you for your support. And we wish you a very peaceful, happy, and Merry Christmas. Listening to the American Journal with your host, Chase Geyser. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome to the American Journal, folks. This hour, we're going to be taking your calls. I want to start off the hour by taking a call from Hobbs in Nebraska on when it's time for the revolution. Hobbs, how are you? Good morning, Chase. Good morning, morning. Info Warriors. It's your favorite libertarian podcaster, Hobbs, over at Roads to Liberty. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. Thanks for calling in. What's on your mind? Uh, You asked earlier 
in the show mm-hmm. about, you know, when is it time for revolution and mm-hmm. stuff. And uh, unfortunately, I'd have to say that, like many things in life, a revolution, especially in a country like the United States, is one of those things that's just going to have to happen on its own. You can't force the issue. If you, you know, look back into our history, there was a five-year gap between the Boston Massacre and the events at Lexington and Concord. Mm-hmm. People died at the Boston Massacre, you know, and it was it was a, a, a big deal with the troops shooting at an unarmed crowd and everything. And then the events at Lexington and Concord was, you know, it was an armed troop movement being met with armed civilians. And then, you know, nobody really knows who shot the first shot heard around the world. But it was just one of those catalyst events that kicked off the revolution. And, you know, there were a multitude of things that could have been that event. But it was the events of Lexington and Concord that truly ushered it in. And, uh, you know, not to black pill or anything, but you know, we cannot force the issue. Mm-hmm. It's just, it just has to happen. In the meantime, though, there are some proactive things that, you know, people on our side of things can do in order to, uh, I don't want to say hasten it along, but just, just kind of get it into people's minds. The first thing we could do is you could have some type of a declaration, whether it be in state legislatures or with a nationally sort of known and recognized group of people. You have secessionist movements in Texas and Montana and Idaho and several places like that. You could have a declaration similar to what the colonists put out about the intolerable act. You know, put it in people's mind that these are how our government is messing up and these are some steps that we can take in order to mitigate those infringements on our liberties. Uh, you could also popularize secessionist movements or uh, national divorce movements across the country. Uh, the one down there in Texas has a very catchy uh, catchphrase that, you know, say, if you were not in the union, would you advocate for joining the union? And I think that mm. is a powerful message that people could have. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's lots of things, but, you know, like I said three times now, it cannot be forced. It just has to happen organically. Let me ask you this. Do you think in 1774 the colonial population would have said there would be a revolution? Um, I don't really know if they would have said there would have been a revolution in the way that they had it with a, a, mm-hmm. a long, you know, several years long war. Um, they were you know, just as smart or smarter than we are today, and nobody actually wants any type of war. Sure. I think that the colonists in 1774 were hoping and praying for a peaceful revol- a resolution mm. to their problems, the, the peaceful breakaway and uh, secession, if you will, and independence from the British Empire at the time. And when the events of Lexington and Concord kicked off the American Revolution, I think it was just one of those... You know, they, they said, well, you know, we've exhausted every single peaceful option that we have, and now it's war. And I'm hoping that we don't come to that point because 21st century warfare is a lot different sure. than 18th century sure. warfare. Well, thank you for your call, Hobbs. I appreciate your feedback on that. The reason I wanted to mention that is because it seems like a lot of the wars that we've had in the United States, and frankly, just war in general throughout history, it seems that it's often the case that no one expects war. And then all of a sudden it is upon us. Even in Ukraine, we had instances where Zelensky was repeatedly saying that Russia would not invade up until even, I believe, days before the invasion took place. So war seems to always be a surprise. 
the end always comes like a thief in the night. So what can we do to be prepared, and how do we know what a just response is as individual Americans if a conflict were to take place? Stay with us after this break. We'll be back with more calls. You're tuned in to The American Journal with your host, Chase Geyser. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back to The American Journal. We're going to be taking more calls throughout the hour. I'd like to start this segment with James from Indiana. James, how are you, sir? Are you with us, James? Uh, this is James. Uh, I was uh, listening this morning. I said, oh, Harrison isn't there. I'm going to turn this off. And then I'm like, oh, I'll give Chase five minutes. You caught my attention. I think Jones should give you your own show from uh, 7 to 10. You're awesome. Thank you. I appreciate uh, on to my that. point. On to my point. Uh, the medical field is completely unreliable from wrong diagnosis to wrong records. It's one of the leading causes of death in this country. Uh, the DOJ is completely corrupt. There is no bill of rights. We have political prisoners while the merchant of death is free. There should be protests in the streets to dissolve the DOJ. I'm calling on Congress to empower the IG to remove any federal employee that violates any constitutional rights. Not the next day, not a week from there, not 10 years from there, but on the spot. Can someone explain to me why the IG puts out all types of reports on government corruption from the U.S. Attorney's crimes, the Phoenix scandal that killed 40 veterans, the director of Minnesota that stole $250,000, didn't lose her job, didn't pay it back, while the IG allows the VA to break federal prescribing laws, turn veterans into drug addicts, and manufacture cases against veterans, while the real crimes of the government get a free pass. Most people won't protest or speak out because Congress has had so many hearings on the government retaliating and manufacturing cases against people that speak out. The DOJ is corrupt. They have always had the evidence. They will just make it up while the real criminals in their organization gets a free pass. Yeah, absolutely. So the question is, how do you actually revamp, restructure, destroy and replace the DOJ when it seems like in order to do something like that, you would need a DOJ? Uh, Like I said, it's disgusting. You have an IG that's basically worthless. They put out all these reports on actual crimes of the government. They do absolutely nothing. But then they manufacture cases against the disabled after they highly drug them. It's, it's a completely disgusting system. You're absolutely right. Congress needs to completely defund these agencies. It will not happen. But they, they need to do something to empower the IG. These free passes on violating people's rights is a national disgrace. And like I said, people are afraid to speak out because they will just sit there and make up all kinds of fake evidence. Uh, Congressman uh, not too long ago was on the news saying, you know, he can't talk about the, the uh, NSA on his phone because they were watching him. I'm like, what kind of crap is this? When Congress has absolutely no oversight and they uh, sit there and uh, stonewall them all the time. It's disgusting. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I was uh, sitting with a close friend last night and we were talking politics, as is often the case in my house. And I asked a question, which I'm not going to state here, but I asked a question and my friend wanted to make sure that the phones were outside of the room before responding to the question. And I could never imagine growing up in an America in which... American citizens, and I know I'm not the only one who's had this experience, have wanted to remove the phones from the room in order to continue a conversation. Conversation that violated no laws, by the way. But there was just concern over constant surveillance. What are your thoughts on that? Have you ever been in a conversation where someone's like, oh, is Alexa in here? Or, oh, you better are the phone, turn your phone off, right? Like, have you ever experienced that, or am I the only one? Uh, me, personally, I don't have an 
uh, my own email account. I don't have a cell phone. I've had too many problems with people playing in my accounts because they're unreliable. Mm. And now it's also come out, uh, you know, these, these companies can actually just go in your account. Passwords are worthless, and they'll just change whatever they want anyways. But yeah. um, I, I, I know an actual congressman uh, who, uh, who stated, uh, he said something one time, and then all of a sudden uh, those ads just started appearing on his phone. So, I mean, it's, it's well known that these devices and stuff do listen to you. It's not some type of conspiracy. It's completely out there. Absolutely. Thanks for calling in, James. I appreciate your feedback. I do want to take a call from Jefferson in Virginia. Jefferson, how are you today? I'm annoyed as usual, Chase. How are you? <laughs> I'm annoyed as usual, too. I hope you're not annoyed with me. <laughs> no, you're doing a great job. Oh, thank you. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, Jefferson wrote that whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it. We've certainly reached that point in American history now, when we're living under the National Emergency Act declaration, which Biden just announced he's going to renew in March 13th. He has to send a a notification to the registry of Congress that he's intending to renew the National Emergency Act, which means he gets to remain a dictator until 2024. So, Basically, when people say there's no law that I have to follow under these mask mandates and things like that, that's all a trickle-down effect from his renewing the National Emergency Act, which is unconstitutional. It's right up there with the Model States Public Health Emergency Act, which is also unconstitutional. But we can't get SCOTUS, the Supreme Court, to make a ruling on that because they won't hear the cases when people want to challenge the constitutionality of things like the National Emergency Act or the Public Health uh, emergency act. So we're stuck in this case where the judiciary, our judges, just don't want to weigh in on things like election fraud. They act like it's not supposed to be their uh, area of, of uh, jurisdiction. So it's this dereliction of duty on the judiciary's part that won't let us get out of this mess peacefully. So we're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. When we try to do the right thing and we're being lured or pushed into a revolution that's going to get violent. And I don't, I don't like that. Our only real escape valve right now is the Brunson case that's about to come up before uh, the Supreme Court on January 6th that basically makes it possible for us to say that all the people in Congress violated their oath of office, so they have to step down because they didn't vote for the 10-day investigation of the uh, uh, Electoral College uh, voting yeah. back in 2020. It, it, it blows my mind that we have something like a National Emergency Act in the United States, given what we know happened to Rome by having an avenue for uh, a formal dictator. Like, it, it always leads to tyranny whenever you just empower one person. And why would we provide an incentive for a power-hungry president to declare an emergency in order to expand that those executive powers indefinitely. Like, what were we thinking? Well, it was back in 1976, Gerald Ford signed into the law. Our only unelected president ever was the one that signed the National Emergency mm. Act into existence. Mm. And now it's just metastasized into this administrative state where everybody in the technocracy thinks that they're smarter than everybody else and what they believe should dominate. So all the experts lie to us about what the truth is, about whether it's global warming or pandemics. It's all just we're being corralled into a situation where what we think doesn't matter to the, the, to the uh, technocracy. 
So they basically want to manipulate <clears throat> what the masses think the masses think. So the, the polling and, and elections are all about manipulating our thought, believe, oh, it's close. But the leftists have taken over and they've done it properly, when in reality they've, they've rigged the game from very early on. And we're just uh, late to the party. We, ha- we haven't figured out that now, now talking about harvesting votes in the next election is just part of the game where we're going to cheat just as hard as they cheat, and they're going to win anyway because they know how to cheat on the next level. So we're, we're stuck. We're, we're really in a bad, bad spot if, if we can't get the Supreme Court to, to, to get us out of this mess and finally say everything's illegitimate. We need to start over. Do we have to do it through a bloody revolution, or can we just all agree that we need to reform the Constitution? We need to make things more specific about what the rules are and are not. Because right now, we're relying on laws that were always unconstitutional. And as a principle, if you rely on laws long enough that are unconstitutional, that makes them legitimate. The reliance clause uh, argument is where we're stuck. Mm, Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your call, Jefferson. I really appreciate it. Next segment, we're going to be taking more calls. Make sure you call in 877-789-2539. But before the break, I want to introduce you to our new InfoWars MD product line, which sets a new standard for supplements across the board. Many of these products can be used not only to relieve the aches and pains of everyday life, but to optimize your body's true potential. Best part is that we are offering these great products with an introductory sale of 25% off across the board because we know if you try them, you will love them, in turn creating a 360 win. Make sure you check out InfoWarsStore.com. Pick up some of our new products for yourself. Get them as stocking stuffers for your friends and family this Christmas. Make sure to call in 877-789-2539. we taking calls in the next several segments. And Stay with us through the break. We will be back in just a few minutes. Let's go ahead and take another call. Let's talk to Malcolm in Tennessee. Welcome. Hello, Alex. Yes, Malcolm. All right. I'm going to make this quick and real short where the other patriots can get on the line. Uh, Alex, I have to promote one thing from one of your co-hosts, Owen Troyer. Super male vitality and brain force plus. Mix those two together, you're an unstoppable tank. Super male vitality really, really works. It's cold-pressed herbs and natural compounds that have never been heated up. And so it has a dramatic effect compared to powdered versions that also work quite well but just aren't as strong. This is like a very fine wine. It's 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 it, in fact each batch is different. Sometimes it's super strong, sometimes it's just okay. People are like, "Why are you selling something and admitting sometimes the batch isn't as strong?" That's just how it is. It's how it works. Uh, so it's always good. It's just sometimes it's like super strong. But yeah, if you want the Rolls-Royce at a decent price, then this is it. not just in America, but in the world. We are engaging the globalists at point blank range in the information war. But I don't deserve the credit. Yes, I've persevered, but the listeners and viewers who support InfoWars are the real reason we've had this success. We're having now the greatest victories in the fight against the new world order we've ever had. We are now entering the final mile of the marathon. And that's why... 
today. It's more important than ever to realize how important you've been in this fight and to continue in the efforts you've been carrying out and to intensify them. God bless you all. I salute you. I thank you. And I beg you to intensify what you're doing now because we are over the target and history is happening. The fight is my fight. It's your fight. It's our fight. God bless you all. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back to The American Journal, folks. We're going to be taking calls this segment and for the rest of the hour before our outstanding guest, Matthew Colkin, joins us in the third hour. First call I want to take this segment is Jeremy in Austin. Jeremy, how are you today, sir? Yes, sir. I'm here. How are you? I'm, I'm doing okay, I guess. What's going on? Uh, well, I have a couple of issues. Um, there's one, uh, and I'm not sure what the theme of the show is today because it's very difficult to get Alex on on anymore um but my main issue is the ecological disaster that's going on in austin with the garbage and it's everywhere and i've tried i'm a homeless man and i have tried to call the city they blew me off um i've tried to call waste management and they have essentially blown me off they haven't called me back but if you go there if you go under the west 12th Street Bridge, uh, west to 12th Street and uh, Lamar, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, yeah. And uh, if you go on the, the walking path down there, there is a bottle of refrigerant in Shoal Creek. And I don't know how long it's been there. I don't know if it's leaking or not. There's garbage everywhere. Um, we, as hobos, don't treat the land this way. We don't treat our environment this way. We have our own camps, and we we tidy up. We take our garbage with us. We dispose of it naturally, or respectively, where it's supposed to go. If you go, and I walk out to the end of West Fifth Street, under the Spaghetti Junction out there last yesterday, it's deplorable. It'll take an army of people and dump trucks and bulldozers to clean that up, and they outlaw grocery bags and now i gotta pay an extra 30 cents if i need a grocery bag Mm. where is that money going you know because it's certainly not going to clean up the mess that's out here so i mean you know help me help you austin get this done and help you know i can't do it nobody seems to care and then also to the starbucks on north lamar and fifth told me i was too homeless to buy their coffee anymore and drink it out front and they kicked me and my friends out and we're no longer allowed to be there without getting trespassed and that was the other side issue i'm really sorry to hear uh, that you uh that you had that experience and i'm sorry to hear that you're um experiencing homelessness and i work i'm not i'm not a bum i work dude um i mean i have a job at you know i have a job i'm not gonna tell you where but um i have a job i have a camp and we are clean people we don't do this and that is part of the dichotomy that I want to change is that, you know, you automatically think that you're homeless. Oh, well, you, then you're just a slob or, mm-hmm. you know, a piece of excrement, you know, that's not, that's not the case. 
So, and I know this not going to be sitting in with your theme today, but uh, I just had to get this out here. No, I'm glad that you called. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate that you called. And, I, you know, I live in Austin myself. What were your thoughts on the changes in the camping policy in the city? How did that impact your life? Well, I mean, you know, it, I, I've been kind of lucky because we made a deal with some people. But um, as far you know, I don't like to see it either any more than anybody else does. Mm-hmm. I think it should be, there should be a consolidated area where people are allowed to be, but they have to be clean. You can't just be out there and, you know, and, and just making a mess. But like where on Red River, there's uh, the Red River building where they have, where they allow us to have the storage. That is awesome. That is a great thing, but everything is so spread out. You, you can't really get to anything. It needs to be more, it takes a whole day to get to one thing. Mm -hmm. So you need to have a more consolidated situation to where you can go and take care of two or three different things that you need, like laundry, uh, uh, food, you know, or storage or showers or whatever. And then, you know, and there's different agencies that offer these things, but they seem to always offer them at the same time on the same day. So you have to, you know, you, you have to let go of one to get the other. Mm. You know, you can't do both at the same time. And and then my Medicaid, I can't get my Medicaid switched over from Wisconsin. And, you know, and I've been having a real problem with my inhaler because I have COPD and I keep going to the emergency room because, anyway, uh, the, the thing is, is that there needs to be, as far as, far as camping is concerned, there's plenty of land that can be utilized for for that mm-hmm. that you know and they, and it can be controlled you know and you know but it's just not being done and mm-hmm. and and if you walk down with me to the end of fifth street and you see this mess just down there it it made me cry yesterday man, man i mean I'm you know and and, it, and and i was angry you know, I mean, you know, we as homeless people don't do that. I don't like it any more than anybody else does. But on the bike path, we, you know, these rich people are walking by and walking through this stuff every day just like I do. Mm-hmm. And they're not doing anything about it. And they have the resources to do so. And now I'm calling all these national people, you know, all these places as a, as a homeless man with no resources trying to get somebody to care and it's your city too why don't you care mm. it's your neighborhood you know what i'm saying yeah absolutely Do you, you know and you know i mean you know and it just uh, i'm sorry i'm getting emotional and getting no, upset okay. man but it's it okay. just it just uh it just uh it, it i'm incensed by this and in and, and then i go to a grocery store and i can't even get a bag you know, I mean, where is that extra money that they're charging for these? It is a racket. Everybody knows it's a racket. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, where is the extra money going? Yeah, they you force know, the I businesses mean, to charge for the plastic bags, but then the businesses keep the profit for the plastic bags that they charge for. They don't, it doesn't go to any sort of initiative to actually help the environment. A long time ago. Right. Which was already working to the price of the food years ago. You know, so, I mean, they took it. It's just a racket, man. And they're not doing anything positive with that extra money 
because the garbage is still out here, bro. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I mean, and we, and I've got a couple of friends, you know, and I'm sure that they'd be willing to donate their time and my time to help clean this up. If anybody that had the wherewithal to do anything about it, gave a damn, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, if, and this is Austin, this is our city, you know, I mean, you know, and I mean, why does it look like, why is it in this condition? And that's all I'm asking all the other Austonians, regardless of your wealth or your, your status. Why is this this way? Mm-hmm. Who, who, else, how, who else cares? Well, thank you so much for your call, Jeremy. I really appreciate you dialing in. I, I think, um, you know, Jeremy makes a great point. We have these cities that are run by leftist leaders, and they constantly advocate for issues like climate change, the environment, serving the homeless community or the unhoused, as they politically correctly like to call it. And yet, when you see the reality of leadership in these cities and the policy outcomes of these leftist policies, we have trashed cities and rampant homelessness and, frankly, unjust suffering. Stay with us. We're going to be taking more calls in the next segment. Visit InfoWarsStore.com. I want you to remember two words, InfoWars Platinum. In the history of InfoWars supplements, and they're amazing, this is hands down the most powerful game-changing products we've ever offered to the public. Now, all three of these are private labels of three national bestsellers put out by a pharmaceutical company that also makes high-end supplements. And the owner's a listener and a supporter. So they're giving them to us at 40% off what they're sold in stores, over 20% off what they're sold online under the InfoWars Platinum brand name. These are incredible. Pain MD, HGH Max Boost, and of course, 1776 testosterone boost read about them at infowarstore.com learn about them and then try them out for yourself and i know you will be a repeat customer which is awesome it'll empower your life make your life more amazing and it will keep us on the air a 360 win infowars platinum now available at infowarstore.com infowars.com is tomorrow's news today I really can't but stay. baby, it's cold outside. I've got to go. Welcome back to the American Journal. For the rest of the hour, we will be taking more of your calls at 877-789-2539. Start off this segment. I'd like to hear from Sauce in FEMA Region Number Nine. Sauce, how are you? Good. How about you? I'm doing well. Thanks for calling in. What's on your mind? Yeah, so uh, recently I uh, got into the Trump NFT cards and I made money off them, but I'm sitting here asking myself why. Like, mm. Why did he drop these? Stay relevant? Um, I don't know. I don't get it. I mean, I've been involved with crypto and NFTs since 2000, well, NFTs since 2019, crypto since 2017. Um, so I've been around in the space. I've seen rug pulls. I've seen the scams. And it's at the point now where if you don't understand Bitcoin was made by the NSA, I don't know what to tell these people. Um, I think Trump is part of the, the cabal. He pardoned people like Kodak Black instead of Julian Assange. He hasn't, uh, you know, went against vaccines. And now he's pushing the crypto, the crypto stuff. When we, as you mentioned, we can easily impeach Biden, right? Mm-hmm. No, he wants to go about a certain, uh, another way. He wants to subvert that and potentially create some kind of new digital 
um, you know, constitution, which I am highly against. And I'm also highly against uh, blockchain voting, because once you enable blockchain voting, you're opening up the door for other avenues that crypto is going to offer, DAOs and other things like that. And it's going to create a socialist America that we don't want. And that's just from my understanding of crypto. I know it sounds sexy to have blockchain voting, but mm-hmm. that's not, it's not going to be, uh, I mean, it, it sounds good. It really does. Trust me, it does. Uh, but we can still do the old-fashioned way and take away mail-in ballots. There's no reason why we have it anyway. We just accept things because we're so soft as Americans. You know, like, we don't have any struggles. You know, maybe if the supply chain shortage, maybe if you didn't get the milk or the eggs or maybe the friend, that's our struggle, right? It's not mm-hmm. a real struggle. I mean, don't get me wrong. I understand people need to feed their families and their goods. Bills need to be paid. But at the end of the day, you know, we're still hot water. Like, we're, we're not Jeremy, right? Like, we're going to be Jeremy. Our, our society is going to become homeless because we're going to get banked and we're going to usher in the crypto and they're gonna, we're going to let them control us. Because at first it sounds good, it sounds sexy, and hey, we might get rich. What makes you think that Bitcoin was created by the NSA? Okay, so basically, if just look at the encryption. I've talked to Bitcoin Maxi too about this, and they say, well, everything is SHA. Your, your VPN is right. that's the whole point, right? It's SHA 256. That's, that's the encryption. That's what Bitcoin is made out of. And if you just think about it, like, okay, so you're telling me this phantom coder, right? This phantom menace, right? Mm-hmm. What had the foresight to create a digital currency? That the U.S. government, no, never mind the less, let exist in the economy. But if you know, if you pay attention to the SEC lawsuit, they're attacking everything right now. Everything. Library Coin got shut down. Uh, XRP is in the SEC lawsuit. So they're going after these other. Wait, what? They let Bitcoin stay? They let Ethereum stay? What? Isn't that a threat to our national security? We went to war, shed blood for our dollars. Right. We had this phantom coder can. Yeah, this this phantom menace can create some digital care. Nobody knows who he is. I mean, come on. Like, I've, do you really buy that? I've often thought that it, it it was likely that Elon Musk was at least in part Satoshi Nakamoto, the uh, founder of Bitcoin, just because of his, his background with digital um, finance, right, with PayPal and, and the company that he sold to PayPal, uh, you know, early in this century. Uh, what do you think uh, about that theory that, that Elon Musk might have been involved in the creation right. of Bitcoin? I don't buy that. I think if and if he was involved in it, then he's. I don't think he was. I think David Schwartz and the Ripple guys were involved in the creation of XRP, of, of, of Bitcoin because of how the 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 connection. So people think Elon Musk and his X.com is going to incorporate XRP in the inter, uh, global payment system with the cross border payments XRP offers or whatever. Uh, I don't think Elon Musk has anything to do with Bitcoin. I think Bitcoin is its own separate thing, as a lot of Bitcoin maxis say, which is they do get some things right. Um, but I think Elon Musk has no connection with Bitcoin. And that could, I mean, obviously, I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't see, I don't see any connections with Elon Musk and Bitcoin at all whatsoever. Well, thanks for your feedback. I appreciate your call. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and next I want to hear from uh, Matt in New Hampshire, who says the Constitution is already gone. Matt, what are your thoughts on the state of our republic today and what the outcome is going to be? Are you there, Matt, in New Hampshire? Looks like we're having a problem connecting with Matt in New Hampshire. Bye, Matt. Are you here? Yep, I can hear you now. Yeah, sorry about that. Good morning. Um, I was commenting about... The Constitution and mm. President Trump yeah. wanting to 
defend it. And uh, I think he's just honest to a fault at times. Mm-hmm. When it uh, it certainly does need a re-ratification. You know, just like he said, the UN was obsolete. Turns out he was right. Mm-hmm. It's not politically correct, but he's correct. Yeah, but don't you think there's a way to... Isn't there an avenue to legitimately make changes to the Constitution without just forcing sort of an unconstitutional suspension of it? I mean, we we can make changes to the Constitution if we get the the, the right number of states to vote on and, and support an amendment, right? Um, I believe that's the story, but I mean, they've just added amendment after amendment, basically nullifying the original Constitution. Sure. So yeah. it's, uh, yeah, we to redraw it, I mean, almost to the point of abolishing the federal government. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to hear from uh, uh, JR in New York as well on this. Uh, what are some other options for undoing a fraudulent election? JR in New York, are you with me? Yeah, can you hear me okay? Yeah, you sound great. What's up, man? Hey, uh, I don't know. I was actually just wondering because I don't trust Trump <clears throat> at all. Um, I call in a bunch and I, I kind of gave Harrison a hard time last time, um, but which I I apologize. I love him, but and all you guys. But I think Trump cannot be trusted, um, and I think he's owned by this cult. And and, and uh, what's his name, Leo Zagami, kind of broke it down. It really comes down to the Sabbatean, Frankist cult that runs everything. These guys are not going to stop because they're they're literally a death cult, um, and their objective is depopulation. So. The other question was, when is revolution needed, necessary? I think it's every single day, but, you know, we can't be violent, and we shouldn't be violent, but they're certainly violent with us, and this is a war, apparently. Um, So I always ask myself, when is a citizen's arrest appropriate? And, um, you know, a peaceful citizen's arrest, and, like, because they're not going to do anything, and Trump, like, Trump did some good stuff for the borders and all this stuff, but... When he got out, he undid his drain, the swamp bill. I think there's a lot of division going on here with, with uh, DeSantis. I think it, DeSantis is the obvious choice, and I just can't believe that people still support Trump um, because I feel like he's certainly owned by this Sabatee and Frankist cult, and the guys should really dig into that. And then another thing I wanted to bring up was the Noahide laws because when the Noahide, when the Noahide laws can be brought forth is when they basically suspend the Constitution and there's mm-hmm. like a state of emergency. So if there's a state of emergency um, or the Constitution is suspended, they can enact the Noahide laws. I'm not saying Trump is going to do that right away. And Alex said that it's the Seventh-day Adventists. It's not. They're like they're Hasidic Jews. That, um, they basically are part, in my opinion, they're members of this cult. And um, they, on, in 1991, they signed in with George W. Bush Sr., the um, Education Day, mm. which every single president, including Trump, has honored. From since then, and so they all are on with the Noahide laws, which are openly about killing Christians and decapitating everyone. Like Alex just blew over the topic the other day when a caller called in, but I feel like this is a huge thing. If they get these laws in, they're already in. Um, but if they like actually enact them on us, they literally, they legally can decapitate everyone and for worshiping God in in, in any form they see. Which I think people should have freedom of religion, right? Of course, whether you believe. Jehovah is the the one true God or not. Like, I personally, you know, I think we should have freedom. 
Yeah. Not have to worry about the capitation. Please look into the Noahide laws, guys. This yeah. is like serious. We should get these things repealed. Well, thank you for calling in. I appreciate it. Make sure that you guys check out our new InfoWars MD product line on InfoWarsStore.com. We're offering 25% across the board because we know if you try them, you'll love them in turn, creating a 360 win. Visit InfoWarsStore.com now and stick with us. More calls next segment. Our world is so full of hype. We are force-fed dehumanizing propaganda by the corporate media, by the controlled churches and the universities. And why is this the case? Because we innately, by God, have been given the keys to our own minds, our own psyches, our own souls. And by connecting to God, we can empower ourselves and transcend the, quote, fallen or sinful state. So the chemicals that we ingest and, and all the things that we try to bring into our bodies to, to, to change who we are are only lowering us. They're only making us more depressed. In the end, they're only making us less fulfilled. It is only by going within and really making that connection to God that we can truly empower ourselves. That's why the globalists bombard us with toxins and chemicals to block us getting the normal vitamins and minerals and trace elements. Our bodies need to be healthy and to be able to basically reach out beyond the third dimension. And that's where the incredible products come in at InfoWarsStore.com. Ladies and gentlemen, we are now launching the most powerful supplements in the history of InfoWars under a new brand name, InfoWars Platinum. Now, all three of these revolutionary products you see in front of you are already number one bestsellers in the market for the last few years because they work so well. We've gone right to the manufacturer who are listeners, the owners of Fan, and they've given us this huge deal off of retail, 40% off what these products are found for under other names. And, and, and not just under one name, they sell these under three or four other brands that other major distributors and suppliers have put out. The difference is we have it for 40% off what it is in stores. We're talking about Pain MD. We're talking about HGH Max Boost. We're talking about 1776 Testosterone Boost. These things are incredible. I would suggest you take half a dose or less when you first do and consult your healthcare provider because they're so powerful. Get them at InfoWarsStore.com. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back to The American Journal. We're taking more calls this segment before our guest, Matthew Culkin, joins us in the next hour. First, I want to start with Chad in North Little Rock. Chad, what's on your mind? Hey, it's uh, good to talk with you this second time. Me too. Um, yeah, what is on my mind is that I want to see us meaning the truth seekers, the people trying to do good, the fans of InfoWars, etc., to just stop, please, stop blaming other people, the left, the Rothschilds, whomever. And and I, I would like to see InfoWars do what it's already doing a better job of in recent years, which is allowing different points of view on their platform, mm. and specifically start with somebody like Brendan O'Connell, who focuses on 
the Talpiot program, which is Israel's control of the whole cybersecurity thing. Mm. And, um, you know, I just don't look at anywhere where I see that any of us are really acting any better than each other. And then the last thing I'll say that annoys me is that my understanding is that if we have a private federal reserve, which America has fought with that its whole existence, then it doesn't matter what the laws are. And I think that we know that we all get caught up in the day-to-day news cycle, but we have got to have some kind of things that we agree on. Like, it just doesn't matter what we talk about. All of that is a distraction from the fact that the governments of the world have to borrow money, and they that's just on the face of it. Mm. You know, yeah. it's just irritating. Yeah, I know what you mean. And, you know, I, I, I respectfully receive and understand the perspective that InfoWars needs to bring on more people, perhaps critical of InfoWars, or not nece- not necessarily blaming others, but talking about things that we can do without blame on an enemy to save America. But where I push back a little bit on that is if you want to see content that's critical of InfoWars, watch a little bit of InfoWars and then watch CNN. Or if you want to see content that's critical of InfoWars, just follow people on Twitter who hate the Constitution. I mean, there's, 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 plenty, of, there's plenty of places to get the opposite sort of narrative through InfoWars. And if we don't identify the enemies of America, whether it's the leftists, whether it's the globalists, whether it's the fractional reserve bankers at the Federal Reserve, if we don't identify the enemies, then, then how is it that we can combat the policies that are negatively impacting our country? What do you think, Chad? Okay, last thing I'll say on that is that I think that there is a very thin line between anything, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So let's let's focus on a character like Roger Stone. Okay. okay? So uh, Brendan talks about him and and all of these people at Infowars and alleging their connections to various intelligence apparatus. But my point is is that I think we would accept. <clears throat> hey, you know, you have to have somebody like Roger Stone that knows how to play these dirty tricks, like the, how we're talking about how do we deal with the left without, mm-hmm. you know, becoming as bad as them. So that's just an honest situation on the one hand. So I'm saying that we really just need to radically, you know, philosophically deal with, okay, good and evil and these opposites. and. You know what I mean? And then it's like another way you hear about it is communitarianism, which is this big UN thing. And evidently, Tucker Carlson has said, I I saw a clip that showed that that was his point of view. And that's another one of those things. We can have honest debate about this because I can see that it is manipulative to combine the opposite of everything. Like one of them is that, okay, Trump's wife is the daughter of a communist leader. Mm-hmm. And then we're all on the alt-right connected with Russia, right? right. So I'm, I'll just, the last thing I'll say is that there is like genuine politics, meaning like it's hard to tell the difference between these two things to make a decision. 
and then, of course, people manipulating that. And I just wish that we would distinguish that and and just give each other a break. Mm. Well, thank you so much for your call, Chad. I appreciate it. Next, I want to hear from Sean in Kami, New Jersey. Sean, how are you today, sir? I'm blessed by the best, brother, despite my growing mountain of mess. And I got to tell you, that pile of pebbles gets bigger by the day. It's <laughs> good to hear, man. What's on your mind? You, uh, I have a note here. It says you're interested in um, uh, the, the in Americans buying into the partisan fight. Are you, are you thinking that we're just in a uniparty situation? What are your thoughts? No. It's, it's not so much the uniparty. Mm. Where I'm at is where Alex is at right? Everyone is buying into Democrat, Republican, liberal, uh, Tea party. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not, people need to remember that it's not what makes us different, right? Mm -hmm. It's the commonality that we all share, the love of freedom, the love of liberty, Right. Right. Well, now there's a reason why my personal Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, spoke out most harshly against the bankers. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because the worship of money is truly the root of all evil. Right. Right. We need to remember that coveting. And like all, all the falseness of everything is just another paradigm to keep us divided, right? So you look at the attack on carbon, right? Mm-hmm. As an example, um, the attack on carbon really ramped up when NASA and the ISS discovered that the increased carbon in the atmosphere was regreening the earth. Now I'm gonna quote Mike Adams, the health brain. What's so bad with regreening the earth? Right. Will that bring plentiful food? Now I, I have twins that just turned two. Congratulations. Right? My daughter's turned two next month. Hey, outstanding. Thank so you. my my twin girls, congratulations, by the way. My apologies. Thank you. So my twins just turned two. So they were born in the beginning of COVID. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Yep. Now, the hospital where they were born literally tried to keep me out of the room. Yeah, me too. Now, the doctors kept me from going to all the appointments. like all her ultrasounds sure. and everything. Sure, me too. So when they tried to keep me out of the room from my daughter's being born, and they, I said to them, I said, look, your mandate and your CDC, whatever, they, whatever you're abiding by, does not override my legal parental rights. Right. And if you stop me from bonding with my offspring, when they're born, i sorry, guys. I apologize for I told them, I will sue you into oblivion. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, Sean, thank you for your call. I appreciate that feedback. And, you know, it's funny because in our culture these days, we all want to be in the room when our children are born. And, you know, I, I really enjoyed that experience. I was fortunate enough to be in the room when my daughter was born. However, there is something to be said for a cigar in the lobby, right? There used to be a time when the gentleman would hang out in the lobby, wait till everything was done, have a cigar, celebrate whether it was a boy or a girl. And, you know, I think if they were going to try to push me out of the room and say, you can't be in here because of COVID procedures, I'd be like, all right, that's fine. But I am smoking a cigar in the lobby, no matter what you say. So with that, I want to introduce you guys to the new InfoWars MD product line, which sets a new standard for supplements across the board. Many of these products can be used not only to relieve the aches and pains of everyday life, but to optimize your body's true potential. Now, the best part of this new product line is that we are offering these great products with an introductory sale of 25% off across the board because we know if you try them, you will love them, in turn creating a 360 win. So make sure you go to InfoWarsStore.com today. Check out our new product line. Get some for yourself. Buy some for friends and family for this Christmas. And stick with us through the break. We'll have our great guest on the next segment. Until about 150 years ago, cultures all over the world believed that people got sick and died in many cases in the winter because of something called vapors. They associated these poisonous vapors with cold weather. Of course, it wasn't the cold weather or catching a chill that killed people. What was killing people was a lack of vitamin D3. You see, the sun via your skin helps your body produce vitamin D3. But if you're not getting enough sun, you will not produce vitamin D3, and then it's very easy for viruses and other things to start replicating and taking your body over. So now it's more important than ever, because the winter's here, to take high-quality vitamin D3, and we have the best with our vitamin D3 gummies with calcium for better upload into your body for 50% off at InfoWarsStore.com with promo code 1776. Don't wait. Support the InfoWar and your immune system with vitamin D3 gummies at InfoWarsStore.com. <laughs> 